All right, welcome to another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. Your boy Pat Lane here, as always, with my guy Matt St. Jean. An instant reaction show, kind of, not quite, kind of. Of course, yesterday was Christmas Eve. Patriots played on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to all of you out there listening uh, that mm-hmm. celebrate Christmas. Thank you for joining us on a uh, on Christmas night uh, for a uh, for a not so instant reaction uh, to the Patriots. Christmas miracle win and uh, a Christmas redemption. I like that for for Chad Ryland. Uh, as always, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. And you know I give you, I give you, after every game, I give you some music. And this one felt appropriate because last Christmas Eve, the Patriots played. They played the Bengals. They had a chance to win at the end of the game. And Mac Jones and Ramondre Stevenson couldn't get it done. But this year, Bailey Zappi and Ezekiel Elliott could get it done. And Chad Ryland. So here we go. And well, of course, Chad Ryland. Of course, can't, can't leave him out. But That's uh, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. But uh, but yes, I I figured it was appropriate for the day, especially uh, with Bailey Zappi coming in and uh, and treating our hearts a little bit better than Mac Jones. If if uh, you know, frankly, right? Does, does Zappi have as many like game winning drives now as Mac ever had? That's kind of probably one. Yeah. Oh no, Mac <laughs> Mac had two. So that's true. Good point. Yeah, the one that's in Houston point. as a rookie. Yes, uh, that's right. I was at that game. That's right. Weird game. Weird vibes. It was a in that really game. weird game. Yes, Devin McCourty yeah. with one of the worst angles of all time on their uh, long pass play. To I don't even was know that the Chris that pass. Was that the Chris Moore game for Houston, or was that the year before where he just went off? It might have been was, Chris Moore. It was some random dude caught a wicked long touchdown pass, and McCourty had like the perfect angle and just completely botched it, and and uh, and it was like a seventy-five yard touchdown pass or something like that. So I don't remember if it was Chris Moore or if it was you know somebody else, but. I do remember uh, that game being a terrible game, and the Patriots ended up coming back and winning. The first half was like an embarrassing. I remember they had Ramondre in that game too, was stretching for the end zone and fumbled at the goal line um, in the first half of that, that game. So yeah, that was a bizarre game. So yeah, that uh, was anyways. that was the Chris Moore game. There you go. I so, looked it up. He, Chris Moore, the he had points. five catches, one hundred nine yards, and a touchdown. And yeah. the touchdown was a sixty-seven yarder. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, it was just, I mean, I remember seeing the ball in the air, and I'm like, oh, McCourty's got it, and just being like, wait, what the hell just happened? So, yeah, yeah it was uh, not not a great not a great game, but they won, so that was fun. Yeah. Christmas Eve, listen, and we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the tanking and the, and the draft pick and everything else, but all that aside, it was a really fun game. I mean, it was like as, as you know, as a uh, – Someone who didn't have anything invested. If you were someone that didn't have anything invested in the game, it was a fun game to watch. And so, you know, those are always the things where you're like, hey, you know, 
let's have some fun. And and they did. Uh, oh, it looks like Colleen was at the game with me. It was, she wasn't with me, <laughs> but she was at the game. Yeah. Uh, me and yeah, uh, Keith were at that game. And that was a fun game. Anyways, yeah. but a lot of, lot of fun uh, last night, I thought. Yeah, entertaining game. Lots of weird stuff happening. And um, I don't know, it was, there weren't a lot of, if you look at the final box, right, there weren't a lot of yards in this game. But it felt like it felt like every offensive drive was either a three and out with something impressive happening on the defensive side, or um, you know that long sustained drive with lots of lots of little plays. So there was kind of always something going on, which was nice. And, you know, you get the back to back scores by New England to go up, and then a comeback bid, and then Patriots answering. Which, by the way, we're going back to the general framing of the things that happened on Sunday for the Patriots, you talk about this game and the, the Jets commanders game with a mm-hmm. comeback that then the, the field goal goes the other way and ends it. And the Packers Panthers game was the same thing. And you got three games there decided by yep. field goals with a lot of draft position hanging in the balance on all three of those. And if you're rooting for the Patriots to pick high, obviously not, not going their way there, but, the actual product on the field, the Patriots looked mostly put together outside of the first play from scrimmage and good defensive game plan. First defense or special teams touchdown since week 17 of last season. We went almost a year without one. Yeah. And that was that was the Kyle Duggar pick six against Miami where he stiff-armed Teddy Bridgewater going into the end zone. So, so And it's there's something funny about the Patriots finally after... The whole season, you don't get bounces. You finally get them to go your way in Denver, of all places. The only place where it would be less likely is Miami for this franchise. (laughs) So, you know, we got weird luck, weird things going on. You knew it was going to be a weird game on a holiday. It delivered, and it was entertaining. Yeah, and you start with the first – I mean, just start with the first play, right? If that play had happened in 2001, it would not have been a fumble. That was was the the quintessential tuck rule. And just the fact that it happened – is so fun like that to me. I was like, Oh my God, that's the tuck rule, you know? And so of course it was a fumble just like Tom Brady's was a fumble. However, the tuck rule existed back in 2001. And so therefore by rule, it wasn't a fumble. And now the tuck rule does not exist. And so by rule, it was a fumble still. And so, you know, it just becomes one of those situations. And I thought that, you know, they bounced back from that. I mean, to, to have a goal line stand there on the first drive, I mean, like, right away instantly literally you talk about instant change right and you know to be thrust onto the field as a defense and step up the way they did i mean mac wilson almost had that pick they played uh, you know the defense has played great all year long and i know they had some they had some tough times against the run on sunday night uh yeah on sunday night but like it's not i, I mean they they couldn't play the absolute perfect game and they i thought they played an extremely good game um, yeah. you know, and, and really is the reason the Patriots won that game. Well, I think you look at this game and the Pittsburgh game and the, the difference was kind of the same in each one. It was what you were able to do with your turnovers. The The Broncos forced that early turnover, don't get any points off of it. And I think both Denver turnovers, the Patriots converted into touchdowns. If I'm remembering that correctly. Obviously, one of them was an immediate touchdown from, yep. from Cody Davis. Um, but just, you know, your ability to cash in those turnovers and make something happen with it, something they haven't forced a lot of turnovers this year. So they haven't been in those positions that much, but that's been the theme here. Even you go back to the Bills game that they won, you start off that game by picking off uh, Josh Allen on his first play from scrimmage and you turn that into points and you're able to build a two score lead right off the bat. Things like that. 
it's something they really haven't done all season. I think a lot of that has to do with the injuries on the back end and yeah, some bad luck too. I mean, they've been really good with turnovers for. A while. I got I got a stat for you here, Pat. They've got they forced sixteen turnovers so far this season. Only twice under Bill Belichick have they finished with less than twenty in a season defensively. One of those was in 2017 when they forced 18 of them. And the other one was in 2005 when they forced 18 of them. And, you know, that, that 2017 team had talent on defense and they just, you know, couldn't really pull it together. They, they were missing a couple parts. And they, that 05 team was injured all throughout all both year. sides of the ball all year long. And that's kind of the realm you're in. And that's, we're talking about really three seasons out of 23 that Bill's been the head coach of this team, that they've had they've forced less than 20 turnovers. They're averaging, forcing over a turnover per game, even in those seasons. And I don't know, I think it's I think it's bad luck that it's not happening this year. It just yeah, yeah well, happens, I mean, look at, finally. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And you look at what's happened defensively and the way that they've played, right, and how stout that they've been against the run and how good that they've been at forcing plays. And they've... They've had plays where they've forced a good, you know, they've forced fumbles. They've forced bad throws. They've had balls tipped in the air. They've done all sorts of things, and they just haven't – it just hasn't rolled their way, right? A few times fumbles have gone out of bounds, or a few times, you know, the ball gets down and the offense recovers it. And, you know, so some of those things happen, right? Which, by the way, just absolutely hilarious from the crew Sunday night, right? When <laughs> the ball gets the ball gets fumbled – they pick it up and Dietrich Wise rips it out of the guy's hands, right? And oh, I believe it was Tavai comes up not. with it, right? And they were like, yeah. Can you believe that he ripped the ball? I guess it's just okay now. I'm like, dude, what? Like, we've been talking about stuff like that happening literally forever. Well, the, the, the problem is that usually happens under a pile where nobody can see what happened. It actually right. happened out in the open and the refs are like, I will let it play. Right. I don't think well, that's then, technically that's supposed to go, but I'm not going to complain about it. <laughs> right. But then you review it and it's like, how can you, can you be sure you had the ball? Was it still moving? Like, how do you know? So it's, you know, it's, it's tough to call. I do kind of agree that it was a little curious that they let that go, but you know, it was, it was, it. um, right. What the heck? You yeah. know what I mean? We, and, we yeah. deserve some of that. And when you look at the, the lack of turnovers, too, you lose Devin McCourty, who is a ball hawk on the back end. Mm-hmm. That is going to be part of it. Kyle Duggar was a big reason why they forced turnovers last year, and he just he hasn't been that guy this year. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Like he had a couple rough-ish plays Sunday night, too. And I think if you're the Patriots, you feel glad that you didn't offer him a big contract extension over the, the break coming into the season. And I think he's probably going to get less money in a contract than he would have expected to after last year. So you know, you'll can probably bring him back for a cheaper price. Cause he's I been will, a little bit disappointing. I would say about him though. He brought the wood Sunday night. Like he was oh, he he a hit tackling hard. machine and yeah. he was hitting extremely hard. So that was nice. I mean, he did have some rough plays, but like that was nice to see at least. Oh yeah. And he's not, He's still a very good player. I think he's just he got a little bit lucky on things. Some things last year it hasn't gone his way as much this year. And Patriots are probably going to get him at a little bit of a discount because of that if they want to bring him back. Uh, and you also, I mean, they lost J.C. Jackson. That was go back two years, and he was their mm-hmm. ball hawk. Mm-hmm. And they replaced that last year with you know a lot from Jonathan Jones, a guy who historically has not been a turnover guy. Like it's Jonathan Jones is a good player, but his biggest weakness as a corner is like at the catch point. He doesn't have the longest arms and 
He isn't right. always able to break up passes or turn breakups in, in, into interceptions. And I think you've seen that. And you've got Marcus Jones when he was out there, who's very much the same way. And for turnovers, you're relying on Christian Gonzalez, who was good in the three games he played. Jack Jones, who, as we see today, has, still has no issues forcing turnovers. It's the right. other stuff that's the issue. Yep. And, you know, J.C. Jackson comes in as a guy who, like we said, historically has been a ball hawk. And uh, he's not the same player he was when he no. was in New England. And, right. you know, you lose all that, plus the pass rush has been tough. And you're just not you're not putting the pressure on opposing quarterbacks to make mistakes. And you don't have guys who can capitalize as much on the back end. But they brought pressure. I thought that that was the most pressure we've seen them bring in a game against Denver. It was effective. Oh, Christian yeah. Barmore led that. All kinds of safety and corner blitzes. And I thought saw number two and number 27 in the backfield way more than I expected to. And... That's how you get things going your way. You get guys around the ball and you, you're able to force a quarterback to make decisions um, under duress. And finally, you end up getting some of the turnover luck coming your way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. By the way, Becky has a good question in the chat. We're going to get to it, Becky, but uh, we're just not at that point yet. But we will get to it. because We're, we're going to circle around here. to the future here at some point, but we'll stay yeah. with the, the actual game last night. Right, now. right. And I, so we talked about Barmore and, and you know, Bunch over here says that Barmore was that continues to be an animal, which – he is just incredible. He's a guy that is up for an extension at the end of the year. He's got just, one year left, but they can't extend him starting correct, at the end of the season. Correct. He ha- wasn't available to be extended until this c- upcoming offseason. Pay him. Just friggin' pay him. To, I've been using I've been using the KGB, uh, Teddy KGB, uh, for those of you that, that haven't have seen rounders before, when John Malkovich loses and he's just like pay that man his money like that's i'm like that's the gift like just use it that's i've been i've been just spamming that like just pay him pay him because he's been he's been dominant against the run this year right he's been dominant against the run and you've seen it against the past you knew he had some of the past stuff in there he's built his repertoire i mean he my god like he just embarrassed that that offensive line last night yeah. And then also played well against the run. And so it's like you can't – right, and Scott says you can't pay too much for a guy like that. Like and he's not saying don't pay too much. He's saying you literally can't pay too much. Um, and so that's the guy. Pay him. Bring him in. Sign him long term. Like do whatever you got to do, but make have that guy stay here. I, I don't know exactly how to like make this work in my head, but like – Christian Barmore is the Gronk of the defense. Like it's not the same, yeah. but it's the right. same in that he's like a physical freak who can take over games at a position where like, you don't always get guys like that, but when you do, it's special. Um, yep. Chris and, Jones. You know, when I, and when I think of, yeah, Chris Jones or the defense that I think of, when I think of a team that has that elite defensive tackle and an elite corner, that's what Christian Gonzalez is going to turn out to be the Rams when when yeah. they won it and they had the personnel that made Brandon Staley look like he should be an NFL head coach defensively was you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey back there and when you got two guys like that it becomes a lot easier to make the rest of your defense uh, you just have two Very guys true. who can do things like that and Barmore's not Aaron Donald here but he is elite the, though it's the way he has played lately and yeah. Christian Gonzalez flashed that when he was in. And if you can get that from those two guys and you sign Barmore and you got Gonzalez, that's the foundation of a championship defense and it makes building that defense a lot easier. 
because building that defense is easier. You can spend a lot more assets building the offense and try to fix it. And you you don't necessarily need um, an elite offense with a defense like that. And I'd also add, you know, we don't know what the what things are going to look like in 14 months. Um, right. When we, we talk about the draft and what that's going to do for the Patriots at the quarterback position, talk about the Rams. They thought they had a guy and they didn't. And they went out and got Stafford because he hit the market. And, you know, sometimes guys hit the market and you're able to upgrade because uh, yeah. you get lucky. At the, you get the timing right. So. Well, and that's yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Right. And you and you sit there and say, all right, what do we have to do? Well, you want to bring Matthew Judon back. But having a guy like Barmore in the middle makes your life easier with Matthew Judon on one side. Do you want to roll with Keon White? Do you want to say, no, we see Keon White more as a, you know, as a rotational piece? Okay, fine. Bring another guy in that's another edge rusher, but it doesn't have to be Josh Uche. You don't have to overpay for that second edge rusher position because you have a guy that can rush the passer in the middle. And that it just makes everything so much easier. Um, you know, and look, you've seen, I think, what you've seen defensively from linebacker, right, with Jawan Bentley and Jelani Tavai, and now and the Mac fact Wilson. that you're getting that you're getting play from Mac Wilson. I mean, you look at it and say, this defense, what do we have to add defensively? Okay, we could add another corner, maybe. We could add another safety, right? Depending on where you're looking for, and probably another defensive end. But you don't you don't have to go out and sign any elite players at any of those spots because you feel pretty good about where you are. And so now you can look at it and say, okay, well, wait a second. We spent our first, second, and third round pick on our defense. Now next year we can spend our first, second, and third round pick on our offense because that's what we can focus on more, right? We can sign an offensive tackle in, in, in free agency and we can draft a wide receiver or a quarterback if we want. So we can do all of those things and having the defense allows you to do that. And not only that, I mean, schematically, too, with what Barmore does, the way he's emerged as a run defender and the way he eats up space there, it seems like he requires two offensive linemen on like basically every play from scrimmage, which also stamina was an issue for him coming out of college. Not worried about that anymore. You see, yep. so he did it at a mile high altitude. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not worried about that anymore. And, you know, if you can stuff the run like that on the interior, it means you can get more flexible with the rest of your defensive line you can afford to put more designated pass rushers out there when you want to because there's less you know responsibility on them they have to do less in the running game it's got a guy in the middle who can do that and uh, even the other defensive tackles you can specialize a bit wouldn't be surprised if we see the depth shaken up there in the offseason just for contract yeah. reasons yeah but that's okay because you can put you can plug and play any mid-level free agent a defensive tackle next to barmore and be fine you don't have to worry about it like that's that works. Yeah. And if you, depending on how the market looks, you got a chance to sign an elite defensive tackle and you want to pair them together. Now you got the chance to have a very unique and formidable pass rush from the inside that yeah, you got, if you got two guys who can rush the pass over from the inside and stop the run, that makes basically, that makes your life hell if you're a pocket quarterback and you oh, can yeah. eat up a lot of the AFC and make every game competitive just on that basis alone. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And that's, it just becomes, that's kind of where you can look at it and say like, okay, we're, we're set defensively. Right. And, and you mentioned already, you don't need a top 10 offense if you have a defense like that. Right. And we had projected these and we've talked about it on here before we projected the Patriots to win 10 or 11 games this year, because I thought defensively, 
or offensively, I'm sorry, they could get to that top 15 to 20. And I figure if you can get to that top 15 to 20, you have the defense to allow you to stay in these games. And we can look at this and say, well, 100%. I mean, all you have to do is get competent play from your offense. You saw it against Pittsburgh. You saw it Sunday night against Denver. You see it in these games. If you can get competent play from your offense, and and by the way, and Billy Zappi, I'm going to get into Zappi, and he's fine. He's not the best player in the world, but he's, even though he's not super consistent, he makes plays, right? And and so that's that's really the problem is that he makes plays. And so, you know, that's I shouldn't say that's really the problem. That's the truth is that he makes plays. Now, is when he I, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? I don't believe so. But I <laughs> no. do believe that that he's, you know, that he's good enough to get you to that top 15, you know, that top 20-ish offense. And with a defense as good as we have right now, they'd be a fringe playoff team. I don't know if I'd go that far just because we've seen the good zappy games, but we've seen the bad ones too. True, true. I want to, we got two more games here, and it seems he seems to be up and down. If he's able to stay up for any sustained stretch, then I think that'll get my attention. But I do think what's notable is it's a combination of two things. He is able to hang in the pocket uh, outside of he had one or two bad plays on that yeah. card. But for the most part, he's able to hang in there and make plays from the pocket and can step into throws and can sense pressure. And he's very trusting of his receivers. He's willing to throw jump balls. And uh, it seems like he throws a catchable ball on the jump balls. And Demonte Parker. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is something that we seem to be getting. Uh, you saw it with Demario Douglas, and that's kind of the play that stuck in my head where that play where he's under pressure and he steps up as he's moving forward to the line of scrimmage. And Demario Douglas isn't open, but he throws it and he gives it a chance. And I yeah. think this is one of the things we've kind of missed when evaluating Mac Jones too. I don't know about missed, but like we haven't talked about it's easy to look at the film and say, hey, nobody's open. What is Mac supposed to do? But NFL quarterbacks find ways to make accurate throws to guys who are covered where they can make good plays on the football. Correct. And I think we've seen Zappy do that more consistently with his accuracy and more importantly, more consistently with his timing than Mac Jones ever did. 100%. When Mac did that, he was like rolling out of the pocket and throwing under pressure and off his back foot and out of structure of the play. And Zappy's able to do it kind of in a rhythm, which I think helps those guys. And now you look at the, the second to last play on offense there, the throw to Parker to get them right up to the edge of field goal range. Parker's not open there. He's just giving them a chance. Right. We've seen that be a 50-50 ball at best for Parker this year, but he came down with that one. Well, and that's – and look, I mean, yeah, it's funny that Parker is such a different player with with Zappi there. But, like, I just think – I think he – right now he gives you a better opportunity to win, a better chance to win, right? City of Champs is is obviously a big Zappi fan. We get it, right? But, like, I will say – one thing that we never saw Mac do, and sorry, I know Patriots for Christ is saying never mention Mac Jones again. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, one thing that he didn't do really at all this year is move in the pocket well, throw while like stepping up, throw while avoiding pressure, right? And like those are things that you have to do. And he did it pretty well his rookie year. And he did it at times okay well last year. Not great, but like decent. But he didn't. He didn't do it at all this year. And like you know, 
Tom Brady is the great example, right? Tom Brady's not athletic at all, right? I might be able to beat Tom Brady in a race. It'd be close, but I might. But the way he avoided pressure in the pocket, just slight, subtle, slide here, slide there, slide up, slide back. So he was incredible at it. He's one of the best that's ever done it at that. You don't have to be super athletic, but you do have to have great pocket awareness. One of the things that Zabby really doesn't have is a clock in his head. He he holds on to the ball way too long, and he's trying to make a play. And I get that. He's trying to make a play. But, like, you know, he, he needs to get better at that. But he does a nice job avoiding pressure in the pocket. And then he's not afraid yeah. to step up into the pocket. The Zay Flowers throw – I'm Zay Flowers, Jesus. The Demar Douglas throw was one that, <laughs> that he stepped up and, and chucked it downfield and, and allowed Douglas to make a play on it, like you said. He made a few of those types of throws where you said, okay, he's stepping up or he's moving to his right or even moving to his left and then stopping and moving up. Those are things that at least you can see him doing. Now, he doesn't do them consistently enough to feel to feel okay with him at quarterback. We talked about this off air, and I'll say it right now. I understand that, that Bailey Zappi isn't the guy, right? I'm not sitting here that saying that Bailey Zappi is – the future starting quarterback for the Patriots, and so on and so forth. However, if you go into this draft and you say, all right, we like Caleb Williams a lot, we like Drake May a lot, we're drafting three or four or five or wherever we're at, those two guys are gone. We don't love any of the guys. We like a few guys. Maybe we like Quinn Ewers in the you know late second round, early third round. Maybe we like you know Michael Penix Jr. in the in the late second, whatever the case may be, right? But we don't love any other guys. Maybe you run it back with Zappy. Maybe that's better than signing Jacoby Brissett or, you know, signing Kirk Cousins or, you know, coming off of a, of a torn Achilles. And, it, you know, I don't know. But, like, I just think it wouldn't kill you to do that. Now, are you going to be a playoff team with him there? No. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with him there? I'm almost definitely not. Right? But – it becomes a situation for me where, you know, I just think what, I mean, what's the difference? Like why, why pay a, you know, a, a, a veteran journeyman quarterback to come in here and not just run it back with Zappy. If assuming yeah. you're not going to try to get the guy this year. Well, and this is going to be the big question for the next, however many months, especially depending on what happens the next two weeks and where they pick, it's going to be, which quarterbacks are worth taking for this team? Right. We're going to be, and probably it's going to come down to how you feel about Jaden Daniels. And, you know, how is that a fit with the team? Will he be there when the Patriots pick? Is he worth taking at that spot? Is it worth trading up for a guy? Is it worth trading back? There's going to be a lot going on here. And I think it's hard to say right now that there's any correct answer. We're going to need a lot more yeah. information and we're going to get it. Right. But, uh, I think Zappy being a guy who sticks around in some capacity next year, the the chances of that uh, at least being a, a good decision have gone up in my eyes. And I, the other part is, you know, what's the long term goal here? If you if you look at if the team looks at this draft like you said, and you know they don't see the the quarterback that is the next guy, and they they're not going to get it in free agency, probably not worth spending a bunch of money on another quarterback. Right. Who not not even Kirk Cousins? If you go out, let's say you want Baker Mayfield, Mayfield's better than Bailey Zappi. 
Don't get me wrong, but he's also not the difference. I mean, that's a one or two win difference, probably three win difference over the course of the season. And that's, you know, that's you're paying too much for that probably. So, um, yeah, you know, it's going to depend on the coach. If yep. Bill Belichick stays and is told, hey, um, you know, this team might not be good next year, but we're trying to be good in 2025 because we know we don't have a quarterback and that can take time. Then, yeah, you know, you basically get a free year to build the team before you drop in a quarterback. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And you give Zappy some run and, you know, he's probably not good, but maybe he figures it out and you get a little bit lucky with it. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't know. There's I'm kind of rambling here. And this is this is the big question that we're going to be debating twice a week now for all summer, all, uh, all spring, all, end I guess of April. So spring. we got four months, four yeah. months. We're going to be debating this from here on out. And um, I'm looking forward to getting into the tape and the evaluations on all the guys, because it's not just it's going to be Jaden Daniels. It's going to be the top two quarterbacks and it's going to be you know, all the other offensive weapons at the top. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, you look at what's on this team. Demario Douglas seems like a guy. It seems like you can get decent NFL level wide receiver play on a rotational basis from either Juju or Devontae Parker when they're healthy. Kendrick Bourne is the guy who we know can play. And, you know, you bring back tight ends and you bring back the line. You're able to draft a wide receiver at the top, Marvin Harrison Jr. or a J, uh, not J. Daniels, uh, Malik Neighbors or Rome Odunze, who people really like as well from Washington, mm-hmm. then is adding a legitimate wide receiver one to the offense enough that all of these complementary pieces suddenly find a role and it all comes together and looks nice. And Bailey Zappi can be your Brock Purdy, which, you know, I say that as that isn't working out so well for the 49ers right now uh, as, as we speak, but, um, that yeah, last interception, by the way, did you see that last interception? I don't know. If I only saw the return. <laughs> did you see Trent Williams rip the ball out at the end of, at the end? And they said it. They said it wasn't a fumble. It was really close to being to being him uh, from ripping it out. But uh, all right, one one thing, and then we'll we got to get to a break. But um, Berg just asked a question. And he said, "Love the content, guys," which we appreciate. Uh, he's a great guy on Twitter. Um, always interacting on Twitter. But he said, "I got to ask, do you want the Patriots to win the last two games?" So here's the deal for me: if you could tell me that the Bills are going to lose out are going to miss the playoffs, sign me up. Sign me up. The Patriots have clinched now the, a top nine pick. If you said you're going to beat the Bills, but the the cost of you beating the Bills, and they're going to miss the playoffs. You're going to beat the Bills, and they're going to miss the playoffs, and the cost of that is you draft number nine, sign me up. Sign me up. I will 100% do that. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I would 100% do that. Yeah. I do believe if the Patriots lose out, that they will end up with the number three pick. Washington and them are very close in strength of schedule. Washington is playing San Fran and Dallas in the last two games. The Patriots are playing the Bills and the Jets. So I think San Fran and Dallas, I think, is 21 and 9 combined. And um and the Bills and Jets are 15 and 15 combined. So just that alone should swing the strength of schedule enough that the Patriots will be drafting number three if they lose out. I'd be okay with number three, of course, right? And I would prefer number three, I guess. But can you imagine if yeah. we knocked the Bills out of the playoffs? That would be delicious. And we'd sweep the Bills? Are you kidding yeah. me? Well, 
Pat's going four and two in the division and sweeping the Bills and Jets in the year and they pick in the top 10. It would be really, really funny. And if they do that, I don't think you can fire Bill. Like on principle, right. I don't think you right. can do that. Um, now, my, my answer to the question is kind of nuanced here. One, I'll always root for the team to win while I'm watching them play. Like I just, I like the players. I'm going to yeah, watch the game. I'm rooting for them to yeah. win. What's happened is that the deeper into the season we get, the less it hurts for them to lose and the more you're right. able to deal with it. The other thing is that I want the result of the game to be reflective of the team that showed up on the field. Yeah. I don't, I don't want them to go to Buffalo and, you know, have the Bills mostly dominate the game. And then pull but it out. They the keep, but the Bills keep settling for field goals and you get like <laughs> one or two lucky plays at the end and you win right. a close one and the offense still looks awful doing it. That doesn't help you. And the flip side is that if you're if you go out there and you're a better team than the Jets, steamroll them. Um, like that's you want that. And we got a lot of guys who I think we'd like back next season. And you're really gonna you're gonna feel better about wanting them back if they're able to play well in some of these games. That's how yeah. that Denver game, you know, that's Christian Barmore. Like he was a huge reason why Marte Mapu forcing a fumble on the kickoff return that we didn't even talk about. Chad Ryland, a rookie, really getting some redemption there and hitting the game winner. Guys like that stepping up, guys who you think should be important pieces for you going forward, I think is huge. You know, a guy who didn't produce big numbers but had kind of a quietly important play in this game was Tyquan Thornton. He took, they had that that second and long in the red zone, and he took a screen that got him down to like the 10 yard line. Yeah, it was a big play. That's where they were able to punch it in from there when Zappi hit Gasicki on a really nice read and throw in the red zone. So, you know, guys like that stepping up and making plays, they win because guys that we want to be around are making plays. That's good because the alternative, if those guys don't make plays, you're just that much farther away right. from being relevant. And, you know, the, the um, what do you call it? I don't think they were realistically ever the second worst team in football either. I think they played a really hard schedule to start the year and had horrendous injury luck and turnover luck through that whole stretch. And now they're finally playing teams that are around their level and it's finally about 50, 50 and they're balancing out. Yeah. Um, I want to, I like to compare to the, the, the one last point here, Pat, uh, to compare to the 2000 Patriots, Bill's first year here in New England, team that went 5-11, and 4-9 in one-score games, you know, an unlucky team. They finished the year 500 in their last six games, and you know, they got three of their wins there, and they still you know, picked sixth and drafted Richard Seymour, and that worked out for them. And, yeah. you know, where the Patriots are, I don't think it's crazy to say that they probably beat the Jets, and they end up going 500 here in their last six games, and they're probably going to pick somewhere around sixth if that's the case. And you got a chance there to pick, you know, an elite wide receiver, an elite tight end, an elite left tackle who can be a franchise player for you. And that doesn't solve your quarterback issue. You're going to have to figure that out in some other capacity, but you can get a guy, uh, your Richard Seymour on offense in some ways out of that. I think you can be very happy with the draft. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. And and we'll see what happens, right? But I do think, I do agree that, you know, the young guys is really what you want. If they're playing well, how can you argue with that? How can you say, well, you know, it's bad that we won? Well, if the young guys that you want to play well are playing well, <laughs> then, like, what do you want them to do? You know, so that's really 
that to me is is the piece of it. And so, um, and so we'll see. And are they a legitimate contender now? No, they were eliminated from the playoffs like two weeks ago. They're obviously not a good team no. yet, but they are a few players away. And again, you're guaranteed a top nine pick. So it doesn't really matter what happens these last two games. You're going to get a really good player. That's a deep draft with a lot of good players coming out. You're going to get a really good player this year. Or at least and a, so, a, a, you should have a chance for a real blue chip prospect. I yes. think the only, the only way that you, you start to feel uneasy is if, if you're picking ninth, you might be at a spot where top three quarterbacks are gone. The the top two or three wide receivers, top two tackles, top tight end all gone. And then you might get a little bit anxious, but that's only happening if they win both of these games. And I think get a little unlucky. Can, yeah, I don't think that's happening. I think they're probably going to pick in that five to seven range. I think that's what's going to happen because I think they beat the Jets, and that's that's where you end up. You know, you're 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 going to be. I think it's a little bit disappointing that you probably don't end up with the QB unless they pick Jaden Daniels and he's there, or they trade up for somebody. Um, but there's a lot of ways to skin a cat in the NFL these days and you pick a good player and figure out the rest later. <laughs> I agree. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. Um, yeah, we'll come back and we'll talk about, I do want to talk about some of these young guys just briefly. Um, and then we can, I don't want to get into too much draft stuff, but maybe we can talk a little bit of draft, but we'll be back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. MA21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pre-game money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050. For 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so I wanted to get into uh, I wanted to get into some of the young players, and I think really what we need to start with is Chad Round. Chad Round has gotten a lot of hate here, and I think justifiably so, right? I mean, I think it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that we could justify why Chad Round's gotten a lot of hate. First of all, the kicker is easy to easy to pick on. Number one, because uh, they do one thing, and unless they're perfect at it, they're an easy target. Number two, he hasn't been good. Right, he's missed a bunch of field goals. He's been very inconsistent. It's not great. Um, and so, you know, there's been a lot of pushback about well, he stinks, and they drafted another terrible kicker, and so on and so on and so on. And and, and again, all of that I get, and I've pushed back on it a little bit, and I've talked about how you know. And Van Terry struggled his rookie year, and Stephen Kostowski didn't have a great year, and and a lot of players kind of struggled um, at the beginning, right? But you know, I think Ryland has the leg. He has 
the accuracy, kind of, sometimes. His problem is not consistent. And kickers have to be consistent in order to be good, right? And so that's the biggest problem that you see with him. But you wonder how much of it is mental. How much of it is mental. And not only how much of it is mental, can a game like this help him mentally? Can you play a game like this and feel like, all right, I mean, you're not going to play. It's almost impossible to play worse than he played at the beginning of this game, right? To miss the field goal, then to doink one off the upright. And you look at it. Doink ever heard. Oh, my God, dude. Someone said, like, you blew the speakers out or whatever. Like, I I just don't, you know, that happens. Well, then then he buries the two extra points. And then it's a 56-yard field goal to win the game right down the middle. I mean, that was right down the middle, right? And so maybe that gets his confidence going a little bit more. I, I just thought – I just think that, you know, we're going to have to give this kid time anyways. But, like, he he was going to get replaced. He, it was going to be a situation where they were going to be bringing in kickers this week to be like, bro, yeah. we can't do this anymore. We're going to do the practice squad thing again at least. And have a Try out during the week. Well, right. it's – Listen to what the coaches have said. It's pretty clear he's making the kicks in practice. Right. And look at his college numbers. His last three years in college, he missed a total of eight kicks. Right. Or I think nine kicks. I think he has nine misses this year. It's not like the guy can't do it. He can do it in cold weather. And he did it in high-pressure situations. It's just some guys get to the next level and get the yips. Making a kick like that is nice. I want to throw some other numbers at you here, Pat. Yeah. There was a kicker who went 22 of 32. Uh as a rookie making field goals, 68.8% on the season. That kicker's name was Sebastian Janikowski for the Raiders, who went on to have a fantastic career. And Ryland's right in that same territory right now for his numbers. I think it's 65%. That's, yeah, but it's about the same yeah. for, for the, the difference in field goals attempts. So you know what? He's got all the traits that you would want in a kicker in theory, and it is just mental. And he made that kick, and maybe that helps him out. I don't think there's a world here where you're not bringing Chad Ryland back to camp next year, regardless of what happened. He was he was highly regarded coming out of college. He was a good kicker in college. He has the traits. We've yeah. seen him make big kicks now in the NFL. Sometimes it takes guys a little bit to actually figure it out at the next level with the increased pressure and, um, you know, slightly different ball and different uprights, kicking from different spots and all that. Uh, this isn't an unprecedented thing. Something Mike Reese has been on since the start of the year because that 2000 Raiders team was the last team to have a rookie kicker and punter at the same time. Sure. And, you know, Janikowski and Leckler, I think, were a little bit rocky at points their rookie year. And that worked out for them long term. Uh, I mean, not drafting a kicker in the first, but the actual Obviously. player himself worked yeah. out for them. And you know what? Like it's Ryland has been rough this year, but that doesn't mean you give up on him. Yeah, well, right. He has and enough I, talent that you're giving him at least through camp. A hundred percent. And and to me, it was the situation for me was that I looked at it and said, okay, you're going to have to go into camp with a guy you think is going to replace Ryland. And then you give Ryland a chance to beat him out, right? If Ryland can build off of that, you only get two games left, and they they don't typically attempt a ton of field goals, which is kind of the problem. But, like, fine. But if you see more of the same from him, like you saw at the end of this game, 
then you get to a situation where we're still going to have a camp battle, but that camp battle is going to be him being the guy and somebody else trying to take his job as opposed to the other way around. Right. And that's kind of how I look at it is that you're going to bring in a guy. You should a hundred percent bring in a guy because you saw him struggle. It still could be there. He still might come back next year and struggle, but you at least feel good about him being your starter and you can sit there and say, all right, you know, we'll bring in a guy, he'll compete, but the guy's going to have to beat Ryan out for the job, you know? So, yeah. um, so we'll see. I, I think, I think people overreact a little bit. I don't blame people for being upset about it. Um, no, but you know, it's, it's, it was cause for concern and it, and it goodness, still could be a cause for concern, but it was nice to see him step up and hit a long field goal to win the game. Well, and it's, you talk about guys executing at like the end of games too. Ryland now was kind of one for two in situations like that. He has to miss against the Giants. And the other yeah. dude who was a huge part of this is Devontae Parker with the catch, who's kind of one for two in situations like this with the Raiders game. And you, know, you make both of those plays and you finish those two victories and you had two more wins to this team right now. You get lucky anywhere else this season. So the bounces they've gotten and suddenly you were in the hunt with wins over, you know, Denver and Pittsburgh. And, you know, you find a way to win that Colts game. And um, with all the, all the bad luck and all the way things have gone bad for them, that gone poorly for them this season, there's still a couple of bounces away from being in the hunt. And that's life in the NFL. It's why I think they are, they're closer to being a team picking in the back half of the top 10 than the top half of the top 10 based on how they've played this year and like their actual performance outside of some really fluky stuff and injury luck. Yeah. Um, true. Which is obviously still not where you want to be. And this team is, you know, we want to win Super Bowls. That's the standard. And we're far off from that. But I think, I know it's so I'll, I'll answer the question because somebody, I think Berg had asked it in the chat about how we feel about Bill. And this is where this stuff starts to go into that. And it's, you try to figure out how much of, this year's team is bad luck and how much of it is bad coaching. And I see a lot of bad luck around. I see a lot of it in a lot of different spots. I see bad coaching too. And I see bad yeah. players and I see bad GMs. I see a lot of bad things that need to change. But I think when you see the way the locker room is bought in on Bill Belichick and the fact that, you know, he drafted a wide receiver. He got Demario Douglas, who looks like a real right. NFL starter. That like is he's, true. He's right around Deion Branch's rookie numbers right now. And Christian Gonzalez looks great. Marty Mapu, I think, is starting to figure it out. Um, Keon White, I think, had a really nice game. but didn't get a sack, but we saw pressures on Sunday night. Man, he's I think it, another guy that hit extremely hard Sunday night. He When he wraps up, he hits. And that's something you saw in his college tape, too. It's, yeah. That's one of the reasons you bring him in. Uh, I think... It would be a lot tougher to move on from Bill if you finish the season strong and it looks like he's coming off his best draft class in a while. Yep. Um, like that is that's a tough, a tough spot to part from him. And that with the locker room still bought in, this isn't it's it seems kind of in hindsight when you view the big picture of the team that this was a mediocre team with some poor depth at a couple spots and a bad quarterback that had the depth exposed immediately and that didn't figure out the quarterback situation to even a basic NFL competency level degree until after the bye week. And even that's a little bit of a stretch. 
Yeah. And that tells you that you improve depth in some places and improve the talent on offense and find a quarterback, and this team will be right back up there where they should be, which is hard. Uh, those are all hard things to do. But it's also things that take time, and there are a lot of coaches out there that get two or three tries at trying to get those things right. And I think giving Bill just one after what he's done probably isn't fair. Again, yeah. unless we factor in the age. Well, and that's, that's and yeah. so then that's where we have to go back and forth. You know what I mean? And and there's, I, I think that's that's got to be a, a different conversation because we're too far into this one to have this whole Bill conversation right now. We've had it already. We're gonna have it again. We're gonna have it all really for the next two weeks. And I, I understand that, you know, it, we're not going to have it all off season because at some point they're going to have to make a decision on him. But I do wonder if, you know, if the age factors into it, but we'll figure it out. So also, Oh wait, Nope. That's not the one city <laughs> champs. Okay. Says that, you know, Zappy's going to go and uh, you know, no one wants the players right now, first of all, which is funny, but, but he says he's going to go into Buffalo and slay Allen and win. So here's what I'm going to tell you right now. Okay, Matt, here, here we go. Just so, just so, just so we're all on okay. the same page. What's coming? Clip up? this if you need to. We'll come back to it. Okay. If Bailey Zappi and the Patriots win the next two games, beat Buffalo and Buffalo, beat the Jets at home last game of the season, and and now Bailey Zappi has to throw at least one touchdown pass in each game. In each game. If that happens, okay, I will buy a Bailey Zappi jersey, right, one of those shirt jerseys, and I will run a 5K. I'm not going to run a half marathon, but I will run a 5K wearing the what? Bailey Zappi jersey. You are, 100%. you are just putting it all out there for no reason right 100%, now. 100%. I'll do it. No <laughs> chance it's going to happen. I feel 100% confident about it. I'm definitely I'm – not, I'm not worried about it. So <laughs> if that happens, I'm telling so here's So here it is. If Bailey Zappi and the Patriots win the final two games of the season in Buffalo, home against the Jets, I will buy a Bailey Zappi jersey and I will run a 5K in the Bailey Zappi jersey. So there I you go. I love that. <laughs> I love that. But now I, I, oh my God. I, I will say, while we're wrapping up and talking about this, uh, I it's heartwarming to see the reactions of the guys after games like this, yeah. too. And I mean, you watch the the locker room post game with Bill, and you could you could put that into any season at any point in the Patriots dynasty run, and it fits. The fact that you're seeing locker room like that, and it feels the same, and the season like this, I think speaks again volumes to what it's like. You see Matthew Slater there speaking words of inspiration to everybody, and the way they listen to him, the guy who could you know be. Put him in any role in this team and just let him hang around and be a culture guy. Oh, yeah. Once he retires, let him do whatever he wants to hang out. Um, but you know the the way that the team rallies around Ryland, I think, is also like that's it's a good thing. It's easy. It's one thing for us fans to yell from our couches and say, "Hey, cut the kicker." That's easy to do. Right. Sometimes you see that with the team because yeah. they get frustrated. And they're not doing that. I don't think it's easier after he makes the game-winning field goal. Obviously, but right. Yeah. Nobody's getting down on him. They're all, even though he is clearly down on himself after the game and frustrated he missed in the first place, they're all rallying around him. Yeah. Um, and you see guys playing with confidence. And you know, see David Andrews and Christian Barmore, leaders on the line of scrimmage on both sides, had to say about the locker room, about the guys, about Bill Belichick after the game. Um, it's 
you got to feel good for the players to finally have all of this hard work rewarded. And you know, two wins in three weeks for these guys is good. Yeah. They're going to try to turn it into something and play spoiler here down the stretch against Buffalo. And I, I mean, I love these guys. This team isn't very good, but I do really like most of the players. <laughs> I agree. And and it's and it becomes a situation too where like they've already played spoiler, right? You dealt a blow to Pittsburgh. You just dealt a blow, you know, to to Denver to their playoff chances, right? And so that's a situation where it can be fun. And and again, if we look back, we can look back at it one day and say, man, like, sucks they won those games because we could have had this guy or that guy or whatever. But I just think enjoy it. Enjoy it while it's here. And yes, do you want to lose to get the number one pick? Like, do I want Caleb Williams to be the quarterback for the Patriots next year? Yeah. But, like, there's also no guarantee that he's going to be a great player. So, like... We don't know that for sure, right? So those are those are the things for me where I look at it and say, all right, like let's just let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's enjoy winning because the Patriots are really are, are have won a ton lately and and haven't won a ton lately. Won went won a ton for twenty years and then haven't won a ton lately. Is what I'm trying to say here. So let's enjoy it, and yeah. you know, and, and then we'll deal with that, you know, in April when we have to. And the Belichick question is something we'll talk about as we go through, and I think that's going to be kind of. Um, Certainly not all of what we're going to talk about on uh, on on Wednesday, but I feel like that's going to be that's going to be a big thing for me. Is yeah. you know is what are they going to do with Belichick? We can preview the Bills, yeah. but like, well, no. really, and if, if it question. was, and if it was, if it was like fifty fifty on Bill kind of coming out of the bye, I think you have to keep him with what you've seen. If that's where the crafts were. If the crafts were already set on it, then I don't think they're changing their mind, and I don't wouldn't blame them for that. I think that's a totally acceptable thing. I think, I think as Patriots fans in general, I think we as a group should get used to the idea that there are multiple ways to handle this going forward mm-hmm. that are acceptable and appropriate given the results on the field and the circumstances around the leadership of this team, and we're going to have to sit back and let the crafts, you know, do it. They got a good track record. And they're going to have to do something. that's going to be somewhat controversial either way. And I think we're going to have to rally around whatever it ends up being. I don't think there's any point if they decide to move on from Bill Belichick, I can get behind that. And if they want to keep him, I can get behind that. I think there's no use, you know, right. Prolonging it. Well, let's make something and commit to it and go into next yeah. season and hope it, hope it works. Well, out. And no matter what happens, people are going to be upset. If you keep Bill, people are going to be upset. If you get rid of Bill, people are going to be upset. It's just not, there's no way around it. He is the greatest coach of all time. You can make the argument either way. And so that's where it becomes like, all right, like what do we do? I don't know, you know? And so the crafts have to make that decision and kind of go from there. So, um, so we'll see. But anyways, all right, let's, uh, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. We're going to be back Wednesday night. Um, and again, the Patriots, look, they won. It's okay celebrate the win it's all right you know yeah. hope everyone had a great holiday i know i had a, i had a ton of fun um with my kids they had a blast uh, they got a ton of good stuff from santa claus and and they had a blast all day um and it's just great it's always great hanging with family uh, i just love it it's my favorite thing to do and so um so i'm always happy to see that but anyways um hope you had a great holiday too matt and um and we'll be back wednesday night and again again Obviously, proving the bills, but I, I think we'll, we'll have a longer conversation about the Belichick situation and where they where they should go from here because I think that that's really an interesting question and a question that we're going to have to answer sooner rather than later. 
Yep. And with that, also send in mock drafts if you want us yes. to take a look at them on the Wednesday. Those are going to get real spicy here. And mm-hmm. I think what we talk about the Williams and May thing here to wrap up and the mock drafts and all that. I also think it's worth remembering here. You know, they could finish with the fourth pick and possibly still be in a QB spot because and not just Jaden Daniels, because, you know, if the, if the Bears decide they want to keep um, Justin Fields, which I don't think is likely, but is possible, they might stay there. And the Cardinals, if they want to keep Kyler Murray, they might just stay there. And I think both of those teams have two first round picks this year. They might not be that incentivized to trade back. They might say, hey, we got another pick in this anyway. Let's mm-hmm. stay at one and two and take a guy who we really like, whether it's Marvin Harrison Jr. or a tackle or whomever. And if that's how the first two picks go, then whether it's May or Williams at four, in theory, you're, you're going to have access to one of them. And, you know, you might have availability for a trade up there if they are teams are looking to trade back. So this thing isn't done yet. If you're a Caleb Williams or a Drake May guy, and that's what you want for new England. Um, Also somehow in there, I only just realized that there's a shot that Drake may goes to Washington and he follows up Sam Howell again. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow I hate somehow I hate that dude after that. Yeah. Um, It'd be interesting. I do think uh, on that point, I think Arizona is keeping Kyler because they kind of almost have to. I don't know if they can get out of that contract. They drafted a tackle last year. The Bears drafted a tackle last year. So you got to assume neither of those guys are going to draft a tackle, but they can both use a wide receiver. And so you might see a wide receiver go, you know, one or two. If you're drafting three, that means that Drake May or Caleb Williams are going to be available at three if that's the case, right? If Marvin Harrison Jr. goes one or two, Drake Mayer or Caleb Williams is going to be sitting there because there's only two other, there's only one other player that's going to get drafted, right? So, so we'll see what happens. But again, if the Patriots lose out there at three, I, and again, I don't know if the math's 100 correct on that, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, they're they're two thousand. They're either no, three or four. Yeah, they're two thousandths of a percentage behind uh, Washington. Washington's yeah. going to jump up after. I mean, San Fran looks like they're going to lose this game, but still, San Fran and Dallas are going to jump up. They're going to change the strength of schedule for them. And so I think that, you know, the Patriots are going to end up um, in that three spot, assuming that they well, that they both lose out. But who knows? Well, there's that's also, the case, but that's what know, I think. Washington could go beat Dallas because Dallas is resting guys too. Yep. Um, that's going to be something. So we'll I think we'll we'll get into the real draft order stuff probably before week 18 when we know what the actual scenarios yeah. are going to be. That's probably not worth getting too into it right. now. But yeah, and I think I think the other thing to remember is this point in the 2020 season the top two quarterbacks are trevor lawrence and justin fields and that's kind of where we were at that point and that this is around where zach wilson started to creep up and you know it's not crazy to think that there's a team above new england that maybe likes Jaden daniels and may or williams end up being qb3 off the board if those are your guys and obviously we talk about Jaden daniels maybe he's the guy new england likes in this whole thing and they're able to draft him so um they're not they're not screwed at quarterback because they won this game and they got options and we're just going to have to see, see what happens in the coming weeks. I agree. I agree. So, all right. Anyways, well, thanks for coming along. We appreciate it. Hope you guys had a great holiday. Uh, hope you, if you're like me and have the week off, uh, hopefully you have a great week off. Uh, so if jealous. not, I got to work tomorrow. Good luck at work this week. Um, and, but either way, we'll be back with you on Wednesday night. 
talking all of this stuff, including uh, we'll throw in a, a lot more Bill Belichick conversation. So thanks for talking. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, contributing in the chat as always. We appreciate yes, you guys. Active again. Love it. Oh, Love yeah. it guys. yeah. It's the best. Uh, so thank you very much. And we will talk to you on Wednesday night.